Welcome to the Institute of World Mission Weekly Podcast, a show for Adventist mission enthusiasts striving to live, serve, and witness cross-culturally. Visit us at iwm.adventist.org slash podcast to view this podcast's show notes, links, and previous episodes. Institute of World Mission is your partner in the mission field. Welcome back, friends, to the IWM podcast. Today's episode is our 50th in a row. Wow, it's been quite a journey, a thrilling and a blessed experience all the way throughout. Thank you for being a loyal member of a circle of Adventist cross-cultural mission enthusiasts. You know what we call this circle? A community. A community of Adventist missionaries. Now, in this almost one year of existence, this podcast has been a constant voice for our community. We appreciate all the feedback you've given. Your emails, your comments have been an encouragement. And we are thankful to every guest that we've had. What a blessing they were to all of us, wouldn't you say? And we've treasured every bit of your time, every moment when you click play on your app or on the website page. We appreciate the time you spent with us. Now, We are full of energy and ideas for the future, for another 50 episodes of this exhilarating journey together. We're eager to walk this path with Jesus, who inspires, blesses, and leads all of us in this. Now, friends, we also need your help. And it's the right time now for you to pitch in. Let me explain. In the show notes, right at the top, you'll find the link to the IWM end-of-the-year podcast survey. Let me repeat that. IWM end-of-the-year podcast survey. It will take you a few minutes to fill it out, but it will mean a world to us, really. You can do it even on your phone. It's very easy. Just find the link, click it, tell us what you think. This is our end-of-the-year podcast survey. Now, we are moving to today's interview. Together with Cheryl Doss, who, as you well know, is my boss and the director of the Institute of World Mission, we are returning to a series on spouse and family adjustment in the mission field. In the show notes, you will find links to the other episodes that we did with Cheryl in this series. And without further ado, let's get straight to the interview. Cheryl, welcome to the Institute of World Mission podcast. Thank you. Glad to be here. All right. So we have a very interesting topic. We're continuing a series mm-hmm. on our podcast, which is about families in the mission field. Great topic. Oh, yeah. So we will be discussing different perceptions or different expectations cultures mm-hmm. have towards roles. Yes. Family roles, gender roles. Yes. Would you please introduce us to this topic generally? Well, I think anybody who has ever lived cross-culturally knows that different cultures truly see the roles of men and women and husbands and wives differently. Some cultures we call more egalitarian and some we call more hierarchical. Some we'll call patriarchal. These are all terms that, that can mean different things in different places. And what's interesting about it is that the roles of men and women are often in flux in many cultures. (laughs) They can change from decade to decade or generation to generation. So anything we say about this has to be seen as just kind of examples or 
hopefully some principles that we can take out of how we address it. But the task really is in learning and understanding what the expectations of the culture is where you're currently serving. And that requires individual research. Yeah, and just a quick <laughs> example. Amy and I, we've been in the mission field, and uh, customarily, mm-hmm. I would help her in the kitchen as we yes. prepare, say, lunch. Mm-hmm. Now, if we would host guests, some of our guests would be very unhappy to see me helping my wife in the kitchen, mm-hmm. especially in front of their wives. <laughs> and um, I, we've, we've been into some situations where we had to learn something. So that, that's just an example. Very good example. I remember at one Mission Institute, a husband and wife were having a conversation about that with the group. We were talking about this kind of in the group. And she was saying, yeah, they learned that men don't help in the kitchen, don't do dishes in the kitchen. And the husband says, oh, good, I won't have to do dishes, you know, when we get to our new home. And she says, we're going to shut the curtains. <laughs> so. so the differences we're talking about, they play a big role. When we come to the mission field, we do things our own way, but people there not just do things, live their families in their mm-hmm. own ways, they expect us mm-hmm. to adjust and to be able to be part of their community. Yes. So my question is this, next question. How do the differences in gender roles in expectations shape families in different cultures? How does this play out? You know, there are some cultures, we can think of Islamic cultures, for example, where women are really not even able to be out on the street unless they're fully covered with the, the whole burqa and, you know, abaya, or whatever they, they call it in the place, uh, completely covered. And yet in some of these countries, Christian women are not allowed to wear that covering. And so the gender roles there are really such that Christian women often struggle with even being able to go out on the street alone to go to the grocery store or, or any kind of interaction in the public space without the presence of a man or their husband. And so this can be very distressing if a woman is used to being in a culture or from a culture in which she has the opportunity to be independent and get in the car and go anywhere she wants to or or go shopping or anything. Other cultures don't have quite such visible separation in what women and men can do, but there are expectations. So I know some families that have struggled with this in that they, the wife is the one that has always done the detail work of keeping the checkbook up to date and withdrawing or depositing money in the bank or is the one who's done the, the interaction with for travel, passport, renewals and, you know, that sort of thing. Sounds like you're talking about yeah. my family. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and then she's the detail one and she's done that. And then they go to a culture in which nobody in government will speak to a woman. Mm-hmm. on these issues. The husband has to be the one to come in and apply for the visa or fill out the form and or do the banking. And this can be a problem. I know one family was complaining about this in the place where the husband was a dentist. He was in the office during banking hours, and yet she was not allowed to really make banking decisions for the family. Just even though this wasn't Islamic country, it was a country that doesn't have visible gender differences, but yet there are internal gender differences on expectations. And this can happen in any nation of the world, even between Western nations that have basically more egalitarian, in some ways, roles. There's still differences in what gender 
does. You know this very well, as you were saying. In some places, you can men help in the kitchen. In other places, they don't, but maybe they do more of the house cleaning or something like that. The wife is expected to do the driving or not do the driving. I mean, even in Western countries, there is there can be differences, which is why I say it has to be researched within right. the context. Cheryl, so right now we just discussed more those countries, or we mm. talked more of those countries that have more reserved, that set aside a more reserved role for women mm-hmm. in the family. How about missionaries going to countries where, you know, from those societies to more open societies, mm-hmm. what kind of difficulties are we experiencing going the other way? Yeah, I think one of the things that can be hard for any marriage is when the basic marriage contract, which is usually unwritten, unspoken, it's just the way the marriage has evolved in relationships, okay, often based upon our culture and our own personalities of how, you know, every marriage has this marriage contract. You do this and I do this and we work together on that. And we, and when that basically is thrown up against different expectation, whether it goes more restricted for women or, or changes for men, whichever way it goes, or we go from a more patriarchal society to a more egalitarian society, that disrupts the marriage contract to a certain extent. And so if you go from a more patriarchal culture to a more egalitarian one, then what we often find is where the spouse the wife, for example, is wanting to get a job or, or to become more independent, and it's hard for the husband to accept, or vice versa. The, the husband is pushing the wife to go, okay, well, now you can go out and work, and the wife says, no, I want to stay at home, you know, because it's a change in the marriage contract. This disrupts something much deeper than just what we do or don't do. This disrupts how we relate to each other. And so I, the only answer I know of that can help that is to be very aware, just to actually look at this together as a couple and say, here's what's expected in our home country or where we've come from. Here's what's expected here. Here's the changes we feel happening between us. How are we going to manage that? Only by talking about it openly and honestly with each other can you ever come to a resolution that is a win-win for both member spouses. We're talking especially about married couples here, but we have to remember that gender roles impact singles just as much as married. Can we explore that just a little bit more? Well, in many countries, a single man is still a boy. Mm-hmm. If he's not married and doesn't have children, he's not a part of the elders. So even in a culture in which men have you know, quite a good standing, in the com- it's more hierarchical in that way, he will not receive the respect if he's an unmarried man easily. And that can hurt, especially if he also comes from a culture in which he would expect a man to receive that respect, and yet he doesn't get it in the new place. I always remember in one country we were in when the first single men were ordained. And the old pastor got up and said, today we're ordaining seven men and two boys. Mm-hmm. You know, because it's two single men were not men yet. And this gender role can be hard on a single man. It also, in some many countries, single woman is just unheard of, especially in countries that have histories of polygamy. You just don't have a single woman. She has to have male protection. 
or identity. And so to have a single woman missionary, oftentimes, again, she was not going to be taken as seriously. In both cases, they can earn that respect. You know, their, their solid commitment to Christian principles in their personal lives and their solid commitment to the task, mission task to which they've been given and their effectiveness in that task will often earn them this respect beyond their gender role. And that is true for married couples, married people as well, but especially probably is needed for singles. Cheryl, moving away from singles just mm-hmm. a little bit here, back to couples. When we are going into another country, mm-hmm. when I'm going with my wife and we have to adjust, the local people, the, our hosts, mm-hmm. expect certain behavior from mm-hmm. us. And we come and we bring our own behavior, our own customs, mm-hmm. how to relate to each other. How should I relate to my wife? How should my wife relate to me? But the local people have a, sometimes different expectations. Yeah. What would be your advice? How much should we adjust? By which principles should we go in this, in this process of change? Yeah. How far should we go? That's not an easy question, and I'm not one to prescribe on this. In fact, I'm not one that would say you have to completely adjust in any way to this because you must do it in ways that are honest and authentic for your own relationship and what you understand God's mandate for your marriage is. And that will sometimes go against. I mean, you you move to a country where it's, it's typical for a man to beat his wife into submission, well, I wouldn't suggest you join that. <laughs> That's an out, out, yeah. outlier, obviously. But there are other ways. And in fact, we're called to be salt and light, especially if we're working in places that have another world religion. Their gender relationships may be not really at all impacted by biblical principle. And therefore, we have even greater responsibility to try to live our lives according to principle as we see it. And that is especially true in the marriage relationship because I would suggest that we are watched more closely in our family life <laughs> than in many other areas of life. People will watch what we do more than what we say, listen to what we say. Do you think we could delineate between some of the outward behavior and other more foundational things in how we relate to each other? For example, going on a walk and holding hands would yes. be rather a behavioral thing, and maybe it's yes. better Probably to adjust right, and mm-hmm. not hold hands. Yes. yes, it is. And absolutely, I think in some of those outward things that are really little or no, they may not be comfortable. Let's just say you come from a culture in which a lot of physical display of affection is shown publicly. And then you go to a culture where that's totally unacceptable. It's bedroom behavior in that culture. One can adjust to that culture because you don't want to send the wrong impression. You don't want to do bedroom behavior in public if that's the way it's perceived. You've got to always think about receptor-oriented communication here. How is it perceived? So you don't want to do that. However, the kind of affection and respect that that physical display means in our culture, in your home culture, still needs to be shown in this this new culture. Mm -hmm. But let's face it, that's a hard change. It can be painful to us as we make that adjustment to change because if we've if we've grown to feel loved because of physical touch and we're not doing it very much now at least in public in yeah in public then we have to replace that in the private in some way and not 
or learn to be able to send love through eyes or or through a smile or a glance or or a written note or you know learn to receive love in another way that we can do in this new culture and it's just one example it, there are many other ones one can say that it may be perfectly acceptable in my home culture for me to discipline my children in public mm-hmm. but in this other culture this is totally unacceptable to discipline a child in public you know, in some cultures, you never speak harshly to a child. I know how in Thailand, they'll even stand up on a bus to give a child a seat. An adult will stand. And so in, in some cultures, you just never do that in public. And so we have to adjust to that. This is not gender role. This is parent-child role, but it still often affects it, how we speak in public, how we treat the members of our family in public needs to be adjusted so we're sending the right message of love, respect, and Christian principles in this new culture. So the foundations that we really want to carry over, which are informed by our biblical worldview, would be mutual respect, mm-hmm. would be, what else would that, would that be? Yes, certainly mutual respect. I think it would also be that sort of affection loving affection within the family, that this is the warmest relationships we have, the closest, that we always are, are prioritizing that relationship over ourselves, you know, that we're willing to be a servant within the family life and willing to give to the other that which they need. And this is often, yes, it can be shown by outward behavior, but people sense this hidden even more than they see it in some ways. You know, it's what's underneath the outward behavior that really touches people's hearts. When they see the way we live with our families, they want that if it's truly built on biblical principles. And the idea here is that these things that you just have listed, that you have just Mm -hmm. shared with us, we need to be able to express in culturally appropriate ways so that it doesn't go across how the local families mm-hmm. relate to each other, at least outwardly, you know, in, in their this is right. yes. cultural behaviors and ways yeah, of Yeah, you know, it's, it's kind of like imposing the holy kiss at church on people who are naturally from a reserved and non-touching society. This is not biblical, and this is not appropriate. But what is appropriate in relationships is this expression of love, which is, by the way, every culture has ways of doing that. And we learn that. We can learn how to do that in ways so that our converts, the people that are, that are following us, that we're modeling or mentoring, can actually continue to do that, do that within their context and be perceived as truly Christian. That's the goal here. This is the goal that we're not imposing a foreign Christianity here. Or, or a culture way of for- gender roles yes. and other ways. Yes, but we are helping this culture to develop the cultural forms that reflect Christian values. Shira, if it is appropriate, could you share with us maybe a couple examples from different parts of the world where missionaries were successful at doing this? I remember... Or not successful yeah. for that matter. <laughs> yeah, okay. as, as much as it is appropriate well, without giving well, names. None of us are 100% successful. By the way, these are such deep things. The way we respond to our spouses, the way we interact, you know, it's so individual. It's very hard to be 100% different. It takes adjusted, many, 100% adjusted. Adjusted. Right? It takes 
many, many, many years. There are some people that stay long enough to become this 150% person where you are totally adjusted in, in a different culture. I think of one just very simple way it is in the way women are treated in cultures in which they are generally thought to be second-class citizens or less intelligent. And there are many cultures like that. You know, like the proverb that says, if a child is smart, they take after their father, and if a child is dumb, they take after their mother. These are just ingrained in, in many cultures. And to see Christian family in which the husband takes his wife's ideas seriously, where he empowers her to fulfill her mission also to teach or speak, it sends a huge message to the Christian community in which we're fostering there. And that's probably even more valuable than a Bible study on the topic, is just to observe how this couple relates in ways that are truly empowering of each other in equal measure. And it doesn't have to go against terribly sensitive cultural norms. The husband does not have to insist his wife must preach at church, for example, but he does promote and empower her to to use all the gifts that she has. It sends a huge message to the community. Another way is when a couple who goes from a more egalitarian stance to a very hierarchical or patriarchal community, and the wife submits to that in gracious ways. And, you know, she doesn't become just a, a non-entity, and she doesn't fume and fuss. And so when these two things come together, she just will respect her husband in ways that the other people can see that she respects him, but the husband empowers her too. So these two things, and you fit the culture, the hierarchical culture, and she isn't trying to speak to the, the elders, you know, and to give her opinions. She's very submissive in that way, submits to that in that way. But then if the husband is also empowering her in ministry, she finds a way to be a minister among the women or other places which are acceptable in a gracious way. And then they're able to see the value that her husband holds in her for her ministry too. It's important as well. So actually in a way you're subverting that patriarchy in a way, but while still graciously submitting to it. How much wisdom that requires. Oh, Respect yes. for the culture and yet upholding biblical values and mm-hmm. finding ways of doing this. I think one something that it really takes is for the husband and the wife to talk with each other a yes, lot about yes. their experiences, mm-hmm. what they're going through, and what kind of message they're sending. It takes this awareness, self-awareness to be able to do that. Absolutely. You know, one of the best things my husband and I did is we started reading books on marriage. It doesn't really matter what book it is almost, you know, is to just, because what it's done, if you read it together and you talk about it, whether you agree with it or you don't agree with it, whether you change anything or you don't because of the book, it creates a forum for talking together about the marriage. We often just take our marriages for granted. And we often just take our gender roles for granted. And we end up finding people sometimes in midwife, midlife who are angry with each other because they feel stuck in this 
spouse that's never understood that this is not where they want to be, but they've never talked about it, never brought it up, and never found a way to do it in a Christian manner. So just reading through Adventist Home together, or another other book, the book of the year last year came from Family Ministries. Just reading those books together and then talking about it is a great way to work through some of these issues and strengthen the marriage. And try to see how would they do it in, in, this, the, context. in, in this context that they're in. Yes, yeah. in this context. I also think it's really helpful to have a local mentor, somebody who has been there long, either another missionary who's been there a long time and has negotiated this well, or a local person who is kind of the enough of the insider-outsider. Maybe they've lived outside the country and they've come back in and kind of explained things to you. This is extremely helpful if there's questions involved in how should I relate to the local gender roles. Cheryl, thank you very much. We will be back with you to, we will return to this topic and not once because our families need to think through a lot of different things to serve together for everyone in our families to be happy about the ministry. Mm -hmm. And this is what we're pursuing here. And thank you very much for leading us in this particular theme. You know, as we always say at Mission Institute, when God calls a missionary to the mission field, He doesn't call just one person in the family. He calls each member of the family to be a missionary. And we want to empower everyone to do that well. Thank you. Now at the end, let me share a few community announcements. We have a separate page on our website dedicated to family and marriage issues as missionaries experience them in the mission field. You'll find all of our previous podcast episodes in the series on family and marriage with Cheryl on that very page. The page is easy to locate. Simply go to iwm.adventist.org forward slash family. In fact, if this is a topic of your interest, click the follow button on that page in the top right corner. You can't miss it. It's a red, beautiful button. We'll make sure you'll be notified with new additions to that theme page if you are a follower. Now, friends, this is a special week. And let me explain why. We are airing this episode on Wednesday, November 13th. If you happen to listen to it still on Wednesday, Chance is small, but if you'll still make it to our monthly live event, a webinar which is held on Thursday, right the next day, basically tomorrow, if you're listening it on Wednesday. Now, the webinar title is How to Fundraise for the Mission Field. And if you didn't make it for the actual live event, you can still watch a recording either on Workplace in the IWM Community Home Group or right on our website. So the title again is How to Fundraise for the Mission Field. To find the recording, simply go to iwm.adventist.org, which is the usual part, now the important part, forward slash webinars. You'll need a free member account to access webinar recordings and actually be logged in to be able to view those. And yes, friends, that webinar launches our brand new, fully featured new online course. The title of the course is How to Fundraise for the Mission Field. Starting Friday, November 15th, you can find the course and enroll in it. This can be done right from our course catalog, and it's easy to find. Yes, type 
iwm.adventist.org forward slash course dash catalog. Course dash catalog. And by the way, all of these pages are easy to find just by browsing the menu right at the top of our website. You'll be able to find it beginning upcoming Friday. Friends, we are really excited about the webinar and the course that are happening this week. Join us in growing together for our Lord and for His mission. To sign off, let me just remind you, at the top of the show notes is the link to our end-of-the-year podcast survey. It's anonymous. We won't know your name, but we will appreciate your insight. My name is Alex Ott, and I'll be happy to see you next week.